Hey, I'm Steve. And I'm Lance. We're Curious Car Guys. Welcome to Launch Control. What's up, guys? Uh, This is Lance Abraham, and we are here with the Bailey's High Performance Team in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I'm going to have everybody kind of introduce themselves and tell me a little bit about what you do, and then we'll just get right into it. Awesome. I'm uh, Chris Bailey, owner and operator of Bailey's High Performance. I'm Marlene Bailey. I am Chris's wife, and I answer phones. I do all the bookkeeping and all the parts ordering. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Seth. I do engine tuning and keep people in line. I'm Ross, and I'm the GM technician. Great. Well, so Bailey's High Performance has um, a pretty storied history, and um, I wanted to talk a little bit through that. So just to give our audience a lay of the land, Bailey's High Performance specializes with Dodge and GM tuning. Um, There's a lot behind that one-liner that we'll talk about um, during this session, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how things started. I'm always interested to hear the story of how you get to where you are. You guys have a pretty um, significant shop here. When I roll in, we've got basically two rows of industrial space that you've got filled up, a couple of business lines and things like that. But how did you, how did you even get into the game? How did you start to like working on cars? From my mom's garage to a 10,000 square foot facility. It's a long road. Yeah. Long road. And a lot of it started... I would probably say in 2005, um, with the Nissan Sentra, I owned a Mm -hmm. Nissan Sentra SER Spec V. (laughs) That was like Nissan's attack on the Honda Civic. Yeah. And um, it was was really uh, just my first car that I bought myself um, that that was a new car and not a hoopty. Um, And this is everything that I kind of worked towards to start modifying so out of my mom's garage i was building my own and my car was kind of beating everybody else's i was the fastest in the the centra group and then which you know isn't really saying too much i guess but um you know it was the big time where imports were really big okay so um the battle between honda and everybody else and um it it was really a rivalry that kind of I I just rode on that coattail just personally out of my garage. And then friends started coming, wanted me to do the work on their cars. And so it kind of grew from there as far as um, taking what my my ancestors, my uncles and all that have kind of taught me and um, made it into a hobby. Yeah. And then... Um, one day, uh, a hailstorm came through, and my mom's car was outside. Because your cars were in the garage. Because all of my cars and Buddy's cars and everything were in the garage, and it it uh, it destroyed her car. Now you're still paying that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it destroyed her car, and, and uh, she kicked me out of the garage. So I moved into a shop uh, right there in Saginaw on, on Blue Mountain Road. It was... And that was in... That was when? That was 2007 Okay, is when I opened. I used to sell, so to pay for my habits, um, I sold uh, home audio 
for Bose out of Grapevine Mills Mall. Like out of the back of a Suburban? or No, no. <laughs> I sold home audio at the store that, that was up there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, that's what I used to pay for my hobby. Um, but, you know, I made that, I had to make that decision of, of uh, whether I wanted to keep it as a hobby and still kind of sell things or, or go down a different road. But I, I enjoyed working with my hands too much. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I upped and quit, dropped out of college and, and made this, uh, kind of a, a dream to chase. So, yeah. And that's a big deal because, Hey, you're working for Bose. You've got a steady income, yeah. whatever it yeah. is. Uh, what made you actually want to take the leap, like the leap and mm -hmm. leave the security of having a job and kind of working your way up and this and that, just going back to working for yourself or going to working for yourself? Um, it, a lot of it was the freedom that I wanted to be able to kind of, um, explore the creativity. Yeah. Um, explore the passion and be able to kind of be my own boss. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to give it the best swing, learn from it and then kind of come back and, and regroup. Um, but I've, I'm 14 years into it now. So, um, I've kind of learned and regrouped as we went. Um, and it's definitely gone a lot further, especially the time that we opened in yeah. 2007 was rough. Yeah, because times were not good <clears throat> around yeah, here. Times times were really rough. Yeah. So so how did you so you started the shop? Yep. Suddenly we hit the recession. I'm thinking um, modifying my car within an inch of a, its life <laughs> yeah. is probably not on my priority list. <laughs> no foreclosing on a house or whatever's happening so yeah it was bad gas i think was at like four dollars yeah, oh wow yeah four almost 450 i mean it was and that was premium so i mean you know it was it was really bad so i took this high performance shop um as bailey's high performance and we spent probably three four years doing oil changes brake jobs uh -huh. to pay rent and eat ramen noodles <laughs> with spam and rice Ooh, on on the weekend. Yeah, spam on the weekend. <laughs> spam on the weekends. Yeah, and that's important. I, I feel like that's one of those things that's really interesting to me. Like, you know, we'll show up at the shop today, and you've got a pretty good gig going, and yeah. you've got like great cars here. You've got a nice shop and this and that. But it's I love the idea that you guys were able to push through the hard times and not give up when yeah. all of the other variables around your business were working against you. Yeah. And you basically had to adjust. And that's been the story of your shop, actually. Yeah. Like you've had to make a few changes along the way and then get a little bit more focused. Like let's so when you were doing the break jobs and the services and things like that, um, what was that like? I mean, how did, you know, obviously you're doing the work, but it wasn't what you pictured it was doing. How did you get through that season and break through? Yeah, it definitely wasn't what I pictured I was doing. And I definitely questioned myself a lot on whether or not it was something I wanted to continue to do. Yeah. Um, because it was nowhere near performance related. I was doing timing belts on, you know, Honda Preludes or Toyota Camrys and things like that. It was just, yeah, you know, then everybody was spending their money to keep their car running, running yeah. than it was to to build cars. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it, it took a lot it, it took a lot of perseverance and keeping focus on what I wanted to. Um, 
to eventually turn this into. Uh, and, and it took sacrifices. Yeah. Um, you know, not going out and drinking. I'm, I'm 20 years old, 20, 21 when I opened this. And um, all my friends are going out to drink and yeah, have fun. And, yeah, you know, I'm lucky if I can afford to, to buy a beer at that time, you know. Um, and they were enjoying the life. So I kind of watched that go by. Yeah. And in hopes of, uh, of living a dream. Yeah. You know, being self-employed and the American dream. So, yeah. And uh, just lots of sacrifices, you know, had to grow up real quick. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. Now I'm going to cut a break here. So like at what point did Marlene enter the picture? And Marlene, you can kind of tell me where. Four years ago. About four years ago. Before the big move. Oh, sorry. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I would say it was around. 2015, beginning of 2015. Okay. Um, so that was right before. So that was at the shop, right? Mm-hmm. When did you guys meet? Yeah, right, right, right. at about 2015. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, uh, so how long did this stretch last when you were um, servicing the cars and doing that whole thing? And then, um, then when you started looking at, okay, we might change our business a little bit again, and then we'll arrive at the place where Marlene enters the picture. Yeah, so 20, through 2007 to where I would say probably 2010 would um, would be kind of like the darkest time where it was really hard because um, it, it took a while for people to recover uh, yeah. from that. And then 2010, we started getting into um, putting V8s into some of the imports. Oh, you did? Yeah. So we would put, um, well, my brother, you know, I attest a lot of the strength that I had to make it through, um, through some of my brothers. My brothers really pushed me to stay focused. Um, and my brother had a 240 that, um, he was into drifting, you know? So aside from me trying to, to keep, ramen in my bowl um I, I wanted my brother to really have this dream of his car he had this 240 and an rb 25 and he was huge into drifting yeah he just loved to do it um he was in college going to school um, wanted to be an engin- engineer he was working at a movie theater to make it through um so our off time would be just tinkering with his his 240 and then when we got into that scene, um, we've always been V8 people at heart. My family has. <clears throat> then we started putting the V8s into these imports for drifting. Yeah. So then it turned into if these guys can put a V8 into car to drift it, and it can take that kind of beating, they've got to be doing something. Because it V8. lasted. Right. Because they'd go two, three seasons. Oh, wow racing on the same engine the same everything yeah um and not having any problems so you know it was it was a testament to what we can do with the v8 so then it was just a matter of getting it in front of people's face so you know you show up to there used to be the starbucks meet right here on beach street that was real popular on the saturday so you show up to these segregated car shows you know imports on one side and v8s on the other and they don't ever mingle and 
well, we show up with a 350Z that's got a V8 in it. And yeah. Where do we park? <laughs> yeah. No, no one would know what was going on. So that kind of that kind of brought the interest to the V8 side. Yeah. And that's where the transition started into getting more um, Camaros, some more of the Corvettes, on the GM side. Um, so 2010. So at that point, what was your mix of like maintenance versus swapping uh, V8s and doing we were still thing? We were still 80% still, I would say, maintenance and 20% performance. So okay. 2010, the performance started to make its its way but it was um it was hard because as a young shop and then seeing this kid that's 23 now 24 running it you know you've got a lot of trust that you got to earn to people who are established that want to drop off the car yeah so the the stepping stone was the the middle of it which is your older like 98 2002 Camaros that we would have to build up and then get into that and start gaining people's trust that way and getting into the newer cars. Yeah. You know, and now, I mean, we don't work on anything that's older than 2011. So yeah, it's, it's amazing to see from, you know, the greasy hands to where we can, we're cracking apart brand new bolts with a fresh snap on it, you know? Um, and it's, it's pretty awesome, but yeah. That time from 2010 to 14-ish was the proving ground to get into the performance. And then 2014 is when it really turned around and and the hustle didn't stop. Um, 2014 was, actually, it was was a dub show and the dub show just... Just uh, just passed. Yeah, it was. The I've actually show. wanted to go to one of those. Yeah, yeah. We okay. had a, I had a Challenger, uh, two Challengers that I had built um for the first time, and we went to the dub show. Um, I was shoved off in the corner, <clears throat> way out from everybody else. I had spent the full two thousand dollars that I had, um, to get this little booth space, and uh, I've. I was just hoping that enough people would be there to where it can put our name out. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, but they shoved me in the corner, and I had these two big vendors that blocked me. So unless you went through these big vendors and saw me in the corner, yeah, there was nothing. So yeah. I was upset the whole time, and instead of letting that kind of instead of just sitting back and moping, getting mad that I was shoved off in this corner, I left. I, and I worked the whole crowd, and I went through each vendor. Oh, nice. And okay. I just, until I finally met um, the owner of 4G Auto Wheels. His name was uh, um, AC. And uh, he had a Corvette, the brand new 2014 Stingray. Oh, nice. Okay. Had a wide body kit on it. Oh. It was yellow. Um, a guy out in California, um, Topo, uh, did the wide body kit. <clears throat> And did he have dubs on it? Yeah, he had his Forgiatos. It was a brand new Corvette, oh and gosh. there was only a handful right. of these that were already out. They're pretty novel at the time. And and he had cut it up. It was repainted. It yeah. was fantastic. It was it was really a beautiful car. Um, and it it was almost six inches wider in the rear, four inches wider up front. I mean, it was crazy. Wow. And um, I somehow I made it 
to him and and while I was looking at it and talking to him and he was going to send the car up north to get a pro charger kit installed. And um I don't know what I did, but I convinced him to keep it here. Yeah. It was already in Texas, it was already in Dallas. I convinced him to keep it here and give me a shot at. It. Yeah. And um he did. He let me put a pro charger on it. It was going to SEMA in 2014. Um and it was really uh uh I would say the turning point for notoriety. Okay. Right? Um <clears throat> now so, was he pretty well known in the community or Oh yeah. 4G oh, no, Auto Wheels was really huge. I mean, okay. he was in all the rap songs and I mean the wheel company was just it was on its on its uprise. Okay. Okay. Um and when we had built that car um it was huge. It was a huge proving ground for us. We went above and beyond on it, dressing the engine bay up, everything. And it was going to SEMA. Um, so a lot of extra work to earn the money because I had to wind up pro-charging that on our dollar um, to get the deal. Yeah. Um, but it was really, it, it turned out to be 100% worth it. Okay. Um, so that was the first car that went to SEMA. And we did an unveil party at the shop for the SEMA Corvette that we did. This little 2,000 square foot shop behind a donut store and Subway, right? <laughs> hey, so, I'm down with donuts. Yeah, Let's do so, it. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we're trying to make <clears throat> um, a name for ourselves out there with that. And we show up, you know, we do this, this Corvette and... Um, you see these these guys like uh, some ball players that come that you know they're real Borgiatos in California, so they sent some of their people that were local here, some of their customers, to come check out the car to make sure it was worthy of SEMA. Oh wow! Okay, right? Well, yeah, because so, it it is a premium on space. It's yeah. Not, so, okay. um, you know, and and I was nervous. Um, I've got these quote-unquote famous people, that's the first time I've ever had famous people, ball players, anything like that, come and critique my work. So um, I, I don't know how we held it together, but I did, and they loved it. And yeah. they told AC, the owner of it, that it was awesome, and, and then AC got it on TV. Um, Them saying that, yeah. you mean? Oh, once, wow. once, it went to, once it went to SEMA, it was on a, a TV show there. Um, the, for, with the the owner of Maguire's, yeah, mm-hmm. um, Mr. Maguire, uh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Maguire, uh, himself. It was on the. It was called uh, Car Craze TV, and um, but yeah, I mean that was, that was that was our proving ground. Yeah, and since then, um, it's been, it's been everything that I've ever wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking around that time is when everybody on this team came on board. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much, some have stayed longer. Yeah, so or been here longer. That's where. Um, that was the first time I've ever been to Vegas. That was the first time ever attending <laughs> SEMA, right? And um, that's where Marlene comes in. Um, yeah, that's where we had met, not in Vegas or SEMA, but around that time. <laughs> um, like that could be a whole other story. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, she she was there at the start of that 
that uprising of, yeah. of where it's gone. And, um, you know, Seth's been doing our tuning for ever since I can remember, 14 years at least. Yeah. I remember the Sintra. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember saying why. You, you remember doing a bunch of oil changes. I would have said why. I mean, friends don't let friends. Yeah. Um, I drive a Hyundai. <laughs> I, I do. Unless it's after 2016 or something. <laughs> they're okay. Yeah. But, and, uh, you know, the, the 14 Corvette was really um, a big turning point, I think, for me and Seth. Yeah. Um, it was the first direct inject engine GM ever came out with. Um, and tuning software was still non-existent almost. I yeah. mean, HP tuners had it, but it still wasn't there. But the uh, best way I can describe the way the office looked was... Um, Probably, what was that? The, and it's a movie, I can't think of the movie. Goodwill Hunting, where he's writing everything on the oh, chalkboards yeah. and the walls and everything. Yeah. And that's how we had it, because we had to figure out, we had to reverse engineer GM, HP tuners, what all these values meant to understand what we were changing. So that's an interesting comment. So because now if you're spending all of this time kind of writing on the chalkboard and making uh, mm -hmm. what you're going to do with the tuning... How did that reconcile against like the 80% of the service work that you were doing? Like it sounds like you guys had to make a change in your in your core business there, yeah. right? So can you can you speak to that and tell me what and the other guys can chime in too and let me know what that transition was like and and how you guys came to the decision. Yeah, it was it was um it was it was definitely a huge gamble to start turning away what was so, uh, which was my security blanket, right? To start turning that away to gamble and start investing in my guys that we needed to, to make this work, right? So it's going to cost a little to make the jump, but now we need to make this jump. I'm thinking it costs more than a little. Yeah, it, it was. It was a lot now of you're getting curves. Yeah, and now we're not just doing <clears throat> drain yeah. the plug, you know, do this, that, and more. Now we're yeah. getting into serious math that even me, the Indian guy, I'm not that Indian guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I wish I was. But, um, so, yeah, talk me through that. Like, you decided to, what made you decide to, just like you made the jump from Bose to starting your own shop, take away your bread and butter and start gambling, in a sense, or taking the risk on focusing on the tuning we we just had to he got he got tired of eating toast every day he yeah. wanted that steak. yeah, yeah. okay we, we just had so to. it's kind of a next level decision yeah. we'd be okay where we are now but we want to move we want to move to the next level and the next level yeah. requires when when you have kind of that many people wanting to drop their car off and you have no space for it you kind of have no choice but to say all right cool let's you know let's pass on this yeah, yeah. Start turning away the oil changes for the guys that, hey, I saw that Corvette. Like, what can you do to mine? Mine's uh, yeah. Are... To be fair, he would still get them done for them. Yeah. Yeah. We'd Mine's... still we'd still facilitate that. We just didn't do it in house. Yeah. Yeah. We still do oil changes now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. my car's right out there, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the yeah. fancy Japanese models. <laughs> right. And really, at that, my engine's a little smaller. And at that point in, in, the transition. A lot of these transitions wouldn't have happened if I didn't have the crew to back it. Nice. Okay. Right. So 
Seth was a huge integral part in making that happen. I can bolt anything onto a car. We can build whatever you want. But it comes down to what what happens inside that computer that will make or break it. And the the key person that made that happen was Seth. Because the numbers that he saw that was writing on the board, that was that was gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> dude's dude's reinventing a whole bunch of stuff that I don't even know, but learning. He's he's got all that. So it it's and what kinds of things? What did that chalkboard like? What are you doing calculations on or tuning like for? Well, half half the fun of doing engine tuning is you know kind of, and I'm an instructor. I actually taught for a school um, out of California for a while on how to tune high performance engines. So you get this really good grasp of how a computer works and what's supposed to be inside of it, and you know what values a, a standard engine might need, and then they come out with something that kind of throws a monkey wrench in it, right? The, the DI stuff, it's still fuel injection, but it's kind of done a little bit differently. Um, there's a lot more time frame stuff involved in getting the fuel into the engine with proper mixtures and all that. So um, with no real formal knowledge of how the system works, we had to kind of go through and break it yeah. down. Okay, well, it all boils down to math and physics. Every yeah. last ounce of engine tuning, none of it's luck, none of it's, you know, none of it's guesswork, well, some of it's hunches, but yeah. you know, most of it's just sit down with a pen and a piece of paper and say, how big's my engine? How much does the injector flow? How much time do I have to get it in? And what kind of mixture are we looking for? So I'd sit down and do the... Because uh, the, uh, the, the direct inject engine had what was new to us, which is startup injection. So it's SOI. So you can tell the injector what time in the rotation cycle that it's supposed to start. So... Nailing that time down is what, and and something that we can't physically look and be like, all right, well, this is where it's coming up. Yeah, this is where it's coming down. The valves opening at this degree, things like that. Um, you know, that's that's where Seth came in. So every bit of breaking or pushing the envelope is a it's a scientific experiment. Yeah. It's a test. And, and not only that, we, we set out to kind of do package um, assemblies for guys so they could come in and al- almost do the deli style, like I want this sandwich, you know? Yeah. So if they had a 500 horsepower car and they wanted 700 horsepower, we could mathematically kind of calculate out the exact needs of, well, you've got to change the injectors and you've got to put this blower on it with this much boost, run it on this type of fuel. You know, we could kind of sit down and mathematically go through that all and, and guarantee with a fair amount of success within... 30 horsepower or so Mm -hmm. we can still do that yeah and so you were tuning these cars so we're doing the math Mm -hmm. on these right but um there was you know you you had talked about how like product launches from the car manufacturers Mm -hmm. kind of precipitated this whole thing Mm -hmm. so there there was this idea of hey we'll service any and any car we want we started doing the dubs you know started yeah. doing the corvette but there were a couple of product launches that really influenced where you are today let's yeah. talk a little bit about that yeah the 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 gm corvette was probably the biggest and to to speak on that with gm being a 2014 we had maybe 6 months to build this Corvette Mm -hmm. and software and everything was already available. We just had to understand it. Right. 
So GM is very open to allowing the aftermarket side embrace that, look, we're selling these cars for people to customize them, right? So they, to quickly get onto, within a six-month time frame, an entirely new engine, new ECU, new platform, new transmission, all of this, to have 100% access to it six months later after the car came out, was awesome. Otherwise, we would have pushed that Corvette into the SEMA show and pushed that thing back on the trailer (laughs) and waited. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is different from Dodge. Because Dodge, at that time... So they released the Challenger. I mean, uh, we're getting into Mm -hmm. that mode where everybody, the muscle cars are coming back. The the modern muscle cars come back. back. But they take a different approach. They do. Mm. They don't want anybody in it. Mm -mm. They make a perfect product. You don't have to modify it. Right. Yeah. You don't have to modify it. You don't want anywhere near it. Just leave it alone. You buy the car as is. We're going to make 15 different model versions of the Mm -hmm. same car. The, the scat stripe, pack, the blue stripe. Yeah, the <laughs> scat pack, the Daytonas, the TAs, all of those were just different variations of the same platform because you didn't have to modify that car. That's their theory, right? They're the U.S. Navy. We're the pirates. Yeah. So they didn't want us in. And at that time, there was only one company called uh, Diablo that was even doing tuning, and that was... Who they hacked into the computer, so, they, so to speak. They they did, and it was when you're looking at GM software and accessibility, you're on Windows. When you looked at Diablo and Dodge accessibility, you're on DOS. I mean, it was oh, nice. just it was rough. It was just the definitions weren't there, and only <clears throat> and I would say DOS because Dodge is significantly advanced as far as engine computing or. ECU computing than GM. Um, they've they've they're they are far advanced as far as how that is. But our I don't know if tuning, that's necessarily a good thing. Yeah, it's it, 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 better in, in most yeah. cases. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah. software had a problem with understanding how advanced they really were, right? So that's what made um, the shops that were able to access, tune, and modify the Dodges um very small if any yeah so a lot of people didn't want to enter that dodge tuning market well yeah so anybody right now could go and and download hp tuners the same software that we we use day in and day out and they could find files online for all the cars that we're talking about all the cars that we currently work on and they could sit through and click on each of the items in the thing and there's a there's a description of each thing down on the bottom and kind of how it interacts so you know not even a smart person. I'm not a smart person, but somebody who can understand basic instructions could sit and read and say, okay, cool. I have a good understanding of how this works now. There was nothing like that in that software. There was nothing. You just have these really esoteric numbers in there and, hey, well, I notice it's bigger here and smaller here, so it must be some kind of a slope or something. You got to like figure that. out the pattern. Yeah, so we had to sit down and kind of figure out what actually in the hell does that do. No yeah. user-friendly It's interface. not user-friendly. Yeah, and there's yeah. there's redundancy tables in the Dodge ECM where if this table doesn't mirror this table exactly, then bad stuff happens, and then we <clears> have <throat> to kind of figure out, oh, okay, well, I forgot to change this table. You know, It's uh, a lot more apparent in the HP Tuner software. This sounds like a plug for HP Tuners. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot more apparent to somebody because they list down on the bottom, hey, if you modify this table, you have to do the same thing in reverse on this one. Oh, okay, cool. So you yeah. make you, as a tuner, you make a lot less error. 
So, today because you yeah, kind of absolutely. have a manual mm-hmm. in yeah. a sense but then i think that's where your experience kind of mm-hmm. comes in to catch the nuances of what may not yeah. be well, in there yeah and then their their forum as well again kind of plugging this they've they've really helped the dodge community i think and that's been one of the bigger problems beforehand with the diablo sports stuff is i paid or you rather mm-hmm. chris paid i don't know four grand or five grand for access to diablo sports software which you would think at some point in time would come with some help somewhere, right? No. If, if we're going to pay for this, you'd call, hey, I got a tech question. And they're like, ah, we're going to put you on hold for the next 14 days. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'd say, well, you know, our one in-house tuner knows the answer to that one, but he won't tell anybody. Yeah. That's garbage. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's how it, that's how the Dodge side really was. It was, was really hush-hush. Real quiet. Yeah. Like, oh, well, we very know proprietary. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The HP yeah. Tuner has a forum now. You can go on and read about, oh, I want to learn about Dodge engine-specific tuning or trans-specific tuning, what works, what doesn't work, and even find a file online that somebody's like, hey, this is what we did. It made 1,450 horsepower. Load it in, you're good. Yeah. You know, and not it's that really... it work, but... Yeah, I'm thinking they weren't doing the, the chalkboard math. Probably. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But that, that uh, persistence that it took on that 14 is really what it took to figure out the Dodge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that common characteristic that we have is to always kind of just spend the time to dissect it, to make sure that it can work, um, and versus other people. So when you're trying to push that envelope or push that edge or be... Stay at the leading yeah, point of just it. to spearhead it, you've got to give the time to yeah. it. and. You'll get frustrated, lost a lot of sleep, you know, angry, come in all the time. The shit just doesn't make sense. We should be able to just do this. Yeah. You know, um, and it's it's the constant up and down battle of it and still to this day constantly pushing to get it sorted out, to get it figured. And, and um, Dodge has always been the hardest, but... I think the crew and the team that we have, that just gets us really, really excited. Yeah. At the end of it, you know, we hate, we hate it. We fight with each other the whole time and we just <laughs> don't want to, you know, but at the end we're like, yeah, we got it. That, that was legit. We got it. Yeah. We wrestled it. We figured it out. Here we are. And then everybody else is trying to kind of figure out what it was that, that we did or some of the changes and then it it's getting more of these newer cars to us because we were the first to kind of sort some of the stuff out um and get them get them going and dodge kept coming out with newer versions of the mm-hmm. same i mean they made that challenger platform and the charger platform last yeah. forever right and they just yeah. kept upping the ante like yeah. it went to 485 horsepower on the scat and yeah. then we started doing the srt 392 and then we went to hellcat and then yeah. we went to demon <clears throat> then we went to red i mean it's yeah. just going yeah it keeps going and it's just interesting to me because you were talking about how like none of that stops your development like everything that dodge comes out with that you would think would satisfy the customer just seems to bring different cars to you Mm -hmm. yeah it does it does and there was i think um probably 2015 16 year i would say um and then even in 18, um, Dodge would do ECU changes. 
So again, trying to make it hard mm-hmm. for tuners or yeah. just because just, just to keep us out. Oh, they wow. don't want us in there. Yeah. So the engine hasn't changed from 2011 and up as far as the 6.4 goes. What's changed is ECU and electronics. Hmm. So what I can take and put in a 6.4 and a 2018, 2019, 2020, 6.4, I can put in a 2011, right? But I will fight with the 2019, 2018 for two, three weeks just to get it to run just like the 2011. Really? Mm-hmm. All because of ECU. Yeah. And whether or not things are defined right or Dodge is really good at pulling some trickery and redefining things, revaluing things um, to where then we got to go back and source it out. You know, uh, one code was a 1424 code, a trans code that came up. We had the problem. Car wouldn't shift, couldn't drive it, would always be in limp home mode. Until we worked with HP tuners to get that code sorted out, find what Dodge had changed to put this in a limp mode because they would see that we're adding more torque, we're adding more power, the trans is going to, it's over the value in that trans and it would shut it down. (coughs) Got it. Even though mechanically you can handle it. Yeah, not even a request like right now, I don't want a thousand foot pounds of torque right now, I might want it tomorrow, but that number existed in the ECU, so the trans controller says, hey, there's this number that you might be able to get to, so that's not going to fly with us. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, they had... so they would shut it down. So then now us uh, and HP tuners are on this wild goose chase to find what's shutting it down. And we had a car stuck on the dyno for three weeks. No kidding. Mm-hmm. I was ready to push it off, put it back to stock, and they would have won. They would have beat us. And, and that was it. But it's that constant persistence of, us being able to achieve that and that's dodge is the biggest thing yeah so when so all of this goes on behind the scenes with the programming mm-hmm. so monty you're the tech that actually comes in gets your hands on the car and and goes through it so does that whole thing that happens behind the scenes translate when you're actually doing the work is it harder to work on these cars as they kind of mature or do you find that, hey, once we figure out the back end of this whole thing, getting it plugged in and going and all that's pretty easy? I mean, typically with what I do, um, tuning-wise, I mean, we've had a lot of problems. Like, we ran into issues with the Demon on the ECU. Um, I mean, mostly of what I do, um, nothing really much gets uh, pushed into of a problem for me on tuning. Though, you know, it, it is my problem because it is Dodge Car. You know, I'm always trying to help out and see what I can do on my part to help fix anything but I mean a lot of what it comes down to is to HP tuners and Dodge I mean we can literally have two Hellcats with our 950 package or even just our uh, 900 package you can have two of the same exact cars and put one file on one get it to make 900 perfectly fine put that file on the other one and it's just like nope I yeah. don't want to do it We're not gonna do uh-huh. that. shut down nope don't like it, anything. So then, then we yell at Monty, what did you forget to tell yeah. you? <laughs> what did I forget? And then look back and then we all figure it out. But it's it's a challenge. Yeah. I mean, with Dodges, it, we've, we have some pretty fast cars here through Dodge. And I mean, we have, a lot, we have a lot there. more to do. And yeah. it's going to be a challenge. But, you know, we're always ready to take the next step forward and keep succeeding.
speeding. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't envy what you do. I every time I look in the engine bay, it's like, nope, <laughs> not finding my hands in that one. Yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. can't see my hands, but they're actually really clean. Like I've stepped away from the <laughs> side of things and gotten behind a laptop. And, you know, I saw you put some Bath and Body Works on it. Dude. Yeah, I, and I've kind of grown this little laptop perch right here above my belt. <laughs> helps the laptop. It sit does. Better. It helps the laptop sit better between the steering wheel and my gut. You know, it's great, but. You know, yeah, the, the mechanical side of things is just, no, that doesn't look any fun. So, yeah. you're a better man than I am. I mean, Dodge Dodge mechanic side is actually pretty simple. Um, I mean, I started a couple years ago. Um, it, was a, it was a challenge starting out. I didn't know much about Dodge. Never really worked on Dodge. But as my time has advanced on, I he didn't will, even want to work on Dodges. Yeah, I wanted to actually. Yeah. He almost quit yeah. on his first So, here, here's the story. So, when I started, I'm, nice. I, come, I come from a weird background i was into my dad was into mini trucks i've been in the low rider scene like mini trucks like bagging like s10s okay like, all right you know, like the small, nissan hard bodies yeah, small yeah. size trucks okay. and uh as i got older you know i think i was around 13 14 i saw a 240 sx yeah and i buddy. fell in love that's <laughs> i've always wanted one that was my first car was an You're one of those kids huh yeah i, I turned i turned 17 i bought a s14 and i i just realized um, after high school, I really wanted to work on cars. So I went to Lincoln Tech. I did my time there. Uh, <laughs> sounds like prison sounds time. Right. <laughs> it wasn't the best, but I, I you know, got out the joint. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got my education and, you know, I learned everything that I needed to. But half of my time there, I was working at Firestone. Um, really wasn't much advancement for me there. And uh, I, just, I just knew that I wanted to do something fun. You know, I wasn't, I was never really looking for the dollar sign. I always wanted to what I was doing because yeah. take a pay cut. It's <laughs> <laughs> like an annual yeah, reviews are coming like, around. Well, let's, yeah. let's not go. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a meet on uh, Monday. It, it's mostly, mostly the good just, news is you can work on dodges. <laughs> it's mostly just with me, you know, growing up with my father, being out in the garage, you know, working on the cars and trucks together. It's just something I've always been passionate about. So my buddy had actually started working here a while ago, and Chris told he told Chris. I wanted a job, and Chris interested in me. You know, I came in here, head up. I was positive. You know, I told Chris, you know, I don't know much about the performance in, but you know, I'm all ears and I'm ready to learn. You know, I'm hands on. So my, you know, got the job. A couple weeks go by. I start. Chris is all right. Here's a header job on a scat pack. I was like, okay, cool. You know, I've never really done headers before. Well, I mean, think this is the hardest job I've ever did in my life. <laughs> and now that I look back, you know, I'm pulling Hellcat motors. I'm helping Chris build motors. I'm doing cam swaps, you know, blower swaps. You know, it's it's nothing to me now. But yeah, I I seriously sat was sitting there under the car trying to undo a bolt, and I was like ready to be like, man, I was contemplating on whether I wanted to do this for the rest of my life just <laughs> over a simple header job. There's really gotta be a paycheck now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, funny thing is too is like right after I got done with that header job, uh, about a week later he throws me on a pro charger kit oh, right nice. away. And I, but that that was that was my breaking point here is that pro charger kit and that the car is actually here in the garage and that's I would say it's my Mona Lisa. Yeah. In the shop, yeah. Is that the white and one? Why hasn't it looked It's the orange one. It's the orange one. Yeah. It's still here. Is it Joseph? Yeah, Joseph. Yes. Joseph? Yeah. yeah. That's still here and now that car makes nine hundred and eighty horsepower. Oh, that's yep. the orange one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as that customer has kind of progressed with it, Monty's grown with that car as well because yeah. he's done all of the work for that That's car. That's baby. Yeah. yeah. So because a lot of them, you know, we um, we build them in a package to where they can, they have the steps 
and there's no wasted parts or time or anything mm-hmm. like that. So they can, okay, I'm ready for the next step. I'm ready for the next yeah, one. Yeah, go right. step one to two, two to three. And, and Monty's been the guy that's been on that car ever ever since, you know? Yeah. Um, which is pretty awesome to see it go from a bone stock uh, scat pack all the way up to 980 horsepower, you know, 10-second, 9-second car. Reliable. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Man, it's been two years. See, it's been almost two years. Yeah. Two years that that car's been going. You and know? No problems. No. And so, okay, so that's. I love the. Do- I'm partial to the Challengers just because yeah. of the way they, they look, look and the way. They, I mean, there's just something about those yeah. cars. But man, when I pulled up today, I saw a ZL1 yeah. Camaro sitting out there. I was like, well, okay, this is a new <laughs> store. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about like the GM side of things. Yeah. I know, Ross, you kind of work on those cars and. You had talked about, um, you guys had talked about how uh, they're a little bit more open source mm-hmm. in terms of their approach. They give you a heads up on what's coming. They give you access, and they do all that. So talk to me about the GM world when it comes to here, because it's pretty much Dodge and GM, and that's the deal, right? Yeah, GM is a lot more relaxed, I would say. Um, it's a lot easier to do the things with it um, as far as how the tuning stuff goes. Um, but the, what we did with a lot of how we've learned to be more efficient and more, um, precise with what we build is to break them down in teams. So instead of having one guy do a Dodge yesterday and now he's on a GM, uh, you know, tomorrow and then the next day a GM and then back to a Dodge. Yeah. They're, they're perfected in what they can do. By just strictly being GM, just strictly being Dodge, because they are pushrod motors, but they are both completely different in how they operate, put together. Yeah. You know, like what's ease. an example of that? What's one where it's like, because me is just looking in from the outside, I'm like, yeah, they're both, one might be a Hemi, one might not be, yeah. but they're both V8s that are large displacement, pull out. A lot yeah. of horsepower and a lot of torque. So what's one example of where you guys see that once you get into it, it's completely different. The heads up. Oh yeah. From the heads up. From really. Yeah. yeah. From the piston down to the crank, everything's the same. Yeah, the dodges Similar. have the all the rockers are on the shaft. Yeah. That all line up. GMs they're, they're individual rockers. And all the push rods are all the same length. For the GMs, but for the dodges they're different. Because you're opening valves on opposite mm-hmm. sides of the combustion chamber in the in the Dodge instead right. of in line like the uh, the Chevy V8s. Yeah. A lot of people didn't know the Dodges have 16 spark plugs. Yes, that's, that's oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll it's, change your spark plugs oh in your in your yeah. Dodges. Hey. A little plug for Bailey's. Yeah, it's about I had a, I had a bit of a hard dollars. time at a, in Dallas. Yeah. A couple weeks ago, trying to get spark plugs mm-hmm. for a car. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, you got to drain, drain a warehouse of spark plugs to change them in these damn things. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Marlene's story is pretty funny with that spark plug thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about so, it. So we had a we were at a car show, needed spark plugs on another car. Um, we're calling around. Nobody's got sixteen spark plugs. So Chris goes to one store. I go to another store on the other side of Dallas. I come in. Guys, like, well, is this all you need? And I was like, well, if you had sixteen, I would have taken sixteen from you. And he goes. Well, that doesn't make sense. He goes, you only need eight. He goes, are you reselling spark plugs? And I was like, <laughs> oh I was like, no, sir. Uh, I was like, Dodges take 16. And he goes, 
No, they don't. He goes, it's uh, only eight. And he's I was like, like, oh, you're cute. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna leave it there. <laughs> Marlene's like, oh, you're cute. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, was, it was interesting, so. Yeah, yeah so I would have thought the same thing. That's so, so is there a good reason for that? Or is that just because they... Just just a little plug. If anybody is looking for spark plugs, you can call us at 817-232-4242. We sling spark plugs here in the VA if you ever need any. 16 at a time. Yeah, 16 at a time. Ask for Marlene. I mean, like, when somebody came in for a tune-up, you must have been like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. Yeah. No problems doing 16 parts. Yep. I mean, but the big difference between, you know, Dodge and GM is... There's fairly, each one has their cons and their pros. I mean, with Dodge, you know, some some things are a lot easier. You know, um, I would say my my cams are not, not as bad. I mean, they're, they're fairly easy. He has a lot more he has to do, you know, with the valve train, the Trinian upgrades. Well, even for the Corvettes, I got to pull the steering rack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to pull the steering rack off and everything else. It takes me like three days to do a cam on. Camaros go a little quicker, but the Corvettes, they'll, uh, they'll get you. Huh. Yeah, okay. Corvettes are not, they're not fun. They're, they're, they're like the Vipers for me. The Vipers yeah, are not that fun as well. They're, they're, they're a challenge. We recently did an F1X Pro Charger kit on one, and that was, that was a challenge. I think I was on it for about a week and a half. That was the longest I've worked on the car just to do a Pro Charger. Really? Yeah. And I is mean, that like a fitment thing, or is that a... Space, oh, yeah. shoehorned yeah. like, yeah. in there, getting it yeah. in there, because you can't cut space. open the hood. Probably not a good yeah. idea. No, no, that we had to do it for the spark plugs, too, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that thing had a lot of carbon fiber on it as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. And I don't really, you know, we're on time constraints, you know, but I really don't push them too hard on a lot of these. So I kind of leave it up to them. Um, as far as what do you think this is going to take? To get it done, where do we stand so I can update customers kind of things. Um, because I just don't want them, when it comes into new Corvettes, new Vipers, things like that. Don't need to feel rushed. Yeah. yeah. Don't feel rushed, mess something up. Because if we scratch something, break something, it's costly. Yeah. Right? Doing it right is more important yeah. than doing it fast. So, so let's focus on it. Let's learn from it. And then we'll we'll regroup and see how we can improve and make things faster from there. But it's always that first one that you just you, you want to take your time. Take with. your time. Maybe be a little bit more conservative <clears> on, <throat> on where you go. So go oh, go ahead. And with the, you know, we we do aftermarket stuff. So we'll get you know a pro charger kit that's for 2016 Corvette. Okay, it's you know it's gonna take me you know x amount of time to do it. Well, it works great if that's all that's on the car. Well, if you have a Capitan kit and he has you know. The market fuel system and all this other stuff. Well, now it's like, uh, well, these don't really go together anymore. So I, we had a big problem with the, the EVAP systems on the Corvettes because now that they're procharged, <clears throat> you know that it's the, the amount of air that these take in through their intake is, is insane. Really? Having it where it was put such a vacuum on it that it was actually pulling oil out of the heads. Oh wow! And putting it into the intake, and we're like, we can't figure this out. Yeah. Well, well, the kit's done and installed, but you know, before he can tune it or do anything with it, we have to fix this problem. Mechanically, it's perfect, but the EVAP system, you know, now we have to put a catch can on it, and it's all this is the learning process that we have to do. So now, every Corvette or even Camaro that comes in 
that gets, gets a pro charger kit, it's got to get a catch can as well because we've had this problem. Now we're fouling out plugs, and mm-hmm. blowing in intake and holes, you know, in places it's yeah. not supposed to be. It's blowing smoke out of the, you know, putting catch the kit. Putting the kit on is one thing, but making it all work properly is right. More so taking that extra yeah, step yeah. that we do to ensure, you know, things are better and they have long, uh, longevity mm-hmm. for the customer to enjoy a car instead of, you know, hey, we put a pro charge kit on it. You're only going to have a car for a month and then you're going to have to come back and right. we're so all your plugs are fouled out. Yeah, your plugs are fouled out. You know, you need a new belt or and some I, stuff. I feel like that's where, that's the step a lot of people don't take is they'll throw the boltons on and they'll do this and that Follow and they just expect, pages, expect yep. it to plug and play. And that's a lot of the, people don't go into the tuning side to say, hey, let's make the whole package yeah. work That's together. where the package really it. comes into play, and it's really nice. Well, and it's easier for the customer, too. They're like, uh, okay, I got this much money. I want this much power, this package. Okay, what well, comes with this, this, this? Yeah, yeah, we can just install your Pro Charger, but you're going to have issues. Yeah. You're, you're going to need more. All of these other things with it. To make, to it, make, it, make it 100% and to make yeah. it reliable and so that it's not coming back. Yeah. Hey, Oh, yeah, I've had I do remote tuning for a lot of people all all around the world, so I get to deal with stuff that they didn't necessarily have their hands in, and it's amazing. You know, shops can go and buy these parts, buy these pro charger magnusing kits, whatever, and install it. Not they they don't know the ins and outs of it. So, and I don't get to see the car now doing this remote tuning. I only get to hear the engine or talk to the, you know, to the guy operating the dyno. You're just looking at And he's like, oh man, it smokes really bad out of the tailpipe on diesel. And it's like, okay, well, you know, check the PCB system because you've probably got that wrong. This is something we've experienced here Mm -hmm. because there's certainly no button in the ECU or no switch in the ECU that says make smoke come out of tailpipe. (laughs) Unless you got a spy hunter. Really, I'm trying to find the one that says make smoke stop coming out of tailpipe. (laughs) Yeah, where's that button? Yeah, go check, you know, Go check the PCB system and see how it's done. Oh, it's a stock PCB system. Well, it's not going to work, is it? Yeah. So yeah. it might say so in the instructions. Hook line up, line A up to hose B or whatever, but it doesn't work that way. So so that kind of brings us to the, when we were talking about packages, we talk about the Mad Hatter package. Is that how the genesis of that came about? Yeah. Um, it, it's um, naming, um, naming them was one thing that... Um, was more of a branding per se. Um, the packages were out before then, but you know what makes um we can do a package on a, a Hellcat, but you would never know that it came from us or somebody else. So branding it was associating that vehicle or that package with something that we have built. So now the Mad Hatter Hellcats and and everything are there. People see the badge and they know. Yeah, you know. Um, that it came from us. So that's and, the thing that... That package is like taking the whatever, bolt-ons or this and that that you put on a car and mm-hmm. then putting the work in like you guys, yeah. you guys were talking about yeah. to make it work, to make the parts work together yeah. and create something that has longevity with power, not yep. just power yeah. for a few weeks. And it all comes down to, you know, the biggest thing that, that all of my guys do is just communication. If it wasn't for the feedback that we get from tuning um, to know how to critique and make changes to the car. So then the guys go make the changes based on what he's seeing on the data, and then everything jives together. Everything's perfect. Now we picked up some extra horsepower. It's cleaner. Um, There's nothing. There's no oil getting in the intake anymore. The PCV system's right. Now we can make 980,000 horsepower on this car 
reliably. This guy can take his kid to school. Yeah. He can come out, go to the drag strip, drive all the way down to Ennis, race his car, drive all the way back home, get up, take his kid to school the next day. I'm available for adoption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like Jeff yeah. No. Every time we go out to the track, uh, one of our customers, he drives his car like an hour yeah. to the track, races it, drives and takes it, it back home. home. That's back like home. the dream. And he's had it for like over a year already. Yeah. Perfectly Just fine. It. No Just problem. Beats it. And, yeah. And it's... It, you know, it's uh, it's the time that it takes to do that. And, you know, on our end, the important part to the customer is communicating that, hey, you're the first one. It's going to take a little bit of trial and error. But as a shop, we're here for you for this trial and error. Yep. So your feedback on this is just as important as our tuner, our mechanic, or anything else. When we're done, take it. We've obviously beat the hell out of it on the dyno. So what our drivability aspect of is completely different than when you get in it and you're going through the grocery parking lot right. or cruising down, going through the school zone or whatever it is. These these uh, day-to-day routines on the car is their feedback is important because we strive to push... Uh, to make the car drive as close to stock as possible. Yeah. You can have a thousand horsepower, but if the car can't have table side manners, it's there's there's no fun can't to it. Anymore. Drive you know? Well and you don't drive it as much. Yeah. Honestly. You don't. Like if yeah. and that's kinda you know, I've run across some of these tuned cars and they're great for like a Saturday morning jaunt. But yeah. man, if you can have a car that like you said, has table side manners yeah. and can do whatever you want it to at the drop of a hat. That's where the money goes because right. it's like, okay, I can, I will drive this car. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll enjoy it where whatever setting it's in, yeah. which is great. So talk to me a little bit about the, the Mad Hatter packages because I think there are different tiers of what you can do, right? Yeah, for the Hellcats, the Mad Hatters. Um, the Mad Hatter's specific to that. Um, and it's, it's basically just starting from an entry-level horsepower package and letting customers get acquainted to it. I mean, the Hellcat comes out from the factory 707, which is... So slow. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, and hands down has more horsepower than the GM or anything just right off the showroom Step it up, floor. GM. You know? <laughs> and for them to... A customer to get used to that and then... I want a little bit more, but I want to get used to it and then kind of grow into it is what the Mad Hatter package kind of started out as. You know? Now, do you guys do the Mad Hatter for all the different lines like GM and Dodge just, or just for Hellcats? Just Dodge right now. Just, just Dodge. Yeah. But any Dodge V8 product? Yeah, uh, Hellcat specific. Hellcat specific. Yeah. Okay. So the Mad Hatter's Hellcat specific, um, how we branded that. Then the Apocalypse or the Demons, um, which we're only doing four of those. And then GM-wise, we've got a lot of packages on it. Haven't quite come up with names for them just yeah. yet because we don't have any for like a scat pack. Um, but we've... It's hard picking out names. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. sure. It's like, it's like yeah. picking your first child's name. Call this one Blueberry. So we're getting into that, that realm of being able to pick the packages. Really... The Mad Hatter was kind of a test okay. to see how the market would take yeah. to the name. Would they think it's cheesy and not? And where, where did it come from? How did you guys land on Mad Hatter? And what were some of the weird Alice names in that Wonderland. you came up with? 
huh? Alice in Wonderland and and the cat is kind of what we we came up with as far as you know the the Cheshire cat um what were the characteristics like that really brought it to mind and connected you got to be crazy yeah you got to be crazy to have one and you, the mad hatter was crazy yeah mm. but because that's what i was going to ask you at what point does like a hellcat owner come back and say you know what what i need is it for it to be a little bit more powerful like, it happens a lot more no, than you yeah, would it, think it, it, like, yeah. what are they doing <laughs> i mean yeah. i mean what was it the demon oh it's, yeah it's the, gone through two cams uh two cams uh, a blower, blower swap, and then swaps. we had a one of our previous customers recently from Houston. A while back, he came in for the 900 package, then came back for a 950 package, and then now he wants to come back and get another motor build and a bigger cam in it for yeah. more power. I, are they taking it to the strip? Or oh, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. that's basically what yeah, it is. Because no, if you have a street driven. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, they're, they're, get, they're beating them on the street. Oh, yeah, on the street too. In, in areas the where this is legal, they're beating them on the street as well. Yeah. 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 In, Mexico. That, in Mexico. Yeah, in Mexico. <laughs> right. And yeah. we, we all know about Mexico. Those guys are so great. Yeah, they're, they're so generous with their streets. <laughs> like perfectly paved and everything. Yeah, it's perfectly paved. And I don't it's know what Dallas tollways. Yeah, they got a tollway that's just perfect. That's awesome. We can get straight there and back. Yeah. Not a problem. Right. Being a side performance does not condone street racing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. But the, uh, the the Mad Hatter was the test to see how people liked it. Yeah. You know, can you name it? And then it creates that notoriety. And the, um, honestly, I kind of stole the whole naming things from Hennessy and their marketing team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the exercise. Thanks, Hennessy. Yeah. yeah, you know, more more performance though. Yeah, the uh, you know they you you got to take and give them their marketing abilities. Yeah, and you know mm-hmm. it, for me, if you're what I've always said, if you just stop learning or stop being willing to learn, you've limited yourself. Mm-hmm. So every day, I'm constantly asking, can something be improved upon? Can we make something better, whether it be communication to a customer, um, communication to the employees, organization, um, marketing, scheduling, things like that is, you know, how do we make it better? We had horsepower packages from uh, 2015. Mm -hmm. 2014 is when we started it. And then now naming it to give it the next step of something to be sought after instead of just another horsepower package from another shop is 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 really what it is now people which I'm glad it worked out in in how it did in my head now people want the mad hatter package yeah. the apocalypse or they see it on the street and they're like man he's got the mad hatter you know we're not going to race it or he must have this or that or yada <laughs> yada kind of things you know yeah instead and, of having to say oh they got the 950 horsepower package yeah. from mm-hmm. bailey's high performance right and that's a Which, long decal right like it <laughs> is. so then you can just put mad hatter on it and people recognize the logo they know what's there and they they know that yeah. it was built by us yeah that know? bumper sticker you mentioned was really hard for people to read mm-hmm. as i thought i was pulling away from them so we had to we had to condense it a we had to, bit. yeah we had to condense yeah. it and then we could make it bigger so i'm a customer i come in and i say hey this is kind of my budget what is it based purely on budget and say, hey, if, if this is where you're kind of at, 
here's the reliable power package that we can put together for you. Is that kind of how you created yeah, the a lot of it's budget. Um, you know, um, a lot of it is is going to be budget friendly because I do try to stay conscious of that. You know, um, everybody earns their money differently and everybody works just as hard for their money. So I don't want to offend you with dropping a $30,000 bill and, and feeling like you just can't afford anything here. But I do want to tailor it to your needs. Now, maybe your goal is 900 horsepower, like like a Joseph Wood is is the customer with that scat pack that Monty did. You know, um, he wanted to start in one area, and we've just built onto it as he could. Um, and, you know, it gives customers a chance to see the stages, feel the different stages, grow with the car, um, you know, but... Uh, the big thing that we also try to tailor to is the what is the car used for kind of thing because we can build a thousand horsepower race car that's that's not a problem you are you going to drive it yeah you might hate driving that around town right yeah. are you going to want to drive that because that's a big thing transmission's going to shift harder mm-hmm. things you know you lose there's there's a point where you lose the creature comforts and start getting into a race car and educating the customer on those different points is really what's gonna yeah. is is where we tailor that part. And well, the the average guy might come in for the thousand horsepower package. Well, obviously, this car on ninety three octane octane might be able to hit a thousand horsepower once or twice, but there's no longevity to it. That's a time bomb waiting to happen. So hey, you want to go on full kill? You want to go make your thousand horsepower reliably, we're gonna run it on C sixteen or something of the sort, right? Well that's mm. sixteen or so dollars per gallon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And these cars yeah. aren't yeah. really notorious for great fuel economy. Right. Yeah. So right. there's a there's a point at which you kinda of have to balance this is now a race car and we're probably not going to have it on the street. Yeah. Because a thousand horsepower is the new five hundred horsepower on the street, you know? Mm-hmm. Um Texas two K, I mean you just you can't show up there with anything less than a thousand, or you're just spectating on the sidelines. Yeah, you know. Are you the the chase guy? Yeah, guy. you're the you're the chase guy, <laughs> getting the back part yep. of the car, the rear yeah. three quarters. Um, is there a a place, or are you at the point where, um, you're developing so much power in these cars that there are other limiting factors like aerodynamics or this, that, and the other? Like if a guy is running the Texas Mile. Yeah. Um. The the mile races that are coming up for us this year is going to be a big testing point for that because yeah, I feel like we've pushed any of the the super long flat out yeah races we haven't with these They're, they've been mainly street cars okay yeah and the doing the mile races this time the next step for us is is going to be getting into that development of of keeping it down you know at 180 200 miles an hour what's it going to do and you're pushing the big old boat of a Dodge down the down the strip that fast, we're going to have to figure something, which, you know, that gets into another company that, that we've created for the growth of this aero part to be able to keep the car planted safely. Yeah. Because um, even with the weight, you run into that? Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. The lift sure. is a thing, even right? A quarter mile track, you can feel the front end of that thing floating at 150. No kidding. You know, 170 miles an hour, it still floats. So we've we've got the next steps is going to be to figure that out is at 
170 plus, what's the car going to do? And how do we begin to make a part or parts to keep that down? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because that's, that's very important. Tires. Yeah. Staying you know? on the ground is, is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping all four down is good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Marlene, I, I know um, we kind of got ahead in the timeline, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I do want to come back to when you joined the picture, because I love the fact that you guys are doing it together. And you're like a really integral part of the business. But you weren't always into cars like you are now. So walk me through like how you came in and then kind of what happened as as you kind of delved <laughs> Chris into the Chris is giving world. me the look. Yeah. Um, Chris, well, Chris is like, I still got that game it. look. Yeah. <laughs> um, I come from a very corporate setting. Um, so structure was everything. And What did you do? Um, so I did banking and I did nursing. Um, so I would come in and I'd watch certain things and I'd be like, I'd make suggestions, you know, where we could be more structured. And so that's kind of how, how I started getting involved. And, um, that's the evolution of the backside of Bailey's. Um, it's been, it's been a a learning curve for both of us. Yeah. It couldn't have, I don't think we could have pushed to the next level of quality or standard without her help. What were some examples of that? So you came in and you were like, hey, we probably could do this a little bit better. Well, I'll answer this one for you. (laughs) (laughs) One was to get Chris off of the cars and with the clients. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, he's his best sales guy and he's underneath cars working on them, you know, Mm. so. And it's tough for you to pull away on your own. It is because it was my passion. I, I, I would, I would always prefer to just be working on the car yeah um you know but selling is is easy for me and it's it's natural when it's something you love to do yeah right and you love to talk about it it's it's a natural thing to just want to sell it but yeah i mean so marlene how did you actually pull him away from the car I just kind of told him he had to. Nice. Well, she's easy on the eyes. That's for sure. So I always wanted to be in the office. And yeah, you were know. you guys together at this point? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little easier to get out of the garage then. Yeah. And it's uh, it was, what she brought was the whole accounting the bookkeeping, mm-hmm. the uh, quality control, the communication to customers, you know, uh, me being out there wanting to work on the car, there's a breakdown. I would always just want to be out there working on it and go home, go to bed because I'm tired. And that communication to the customer would cease, mm-hmm. right? And that's a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a huge deal. So she came in to back us up with being able to um, fill a huge hole in in the process, um, and it it's made it's made a world of a difference. I I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have her in that office to to do that to do that. Now, yeah, because as a customer, it's the same thing. Like yeah. a lot of shops do great work, but especially as you take on significant projects that take more than a week, more than a couple of weeks, this, that, and the other. It's just great to get a quick update or, you know, something that says, hey, we're still thinking about your car. We're still working on it. (laughs) Even though you haven't heard from us doesn't mean we're not doing something. And it just, it settles. As a customer, it just settles because you're like, okay, my car's not sitting in a garage off to the corner somewhere or so on. So So, so we as techs, 
while we're working on the car, when we get to a decent point, we take a picture with our phone. Yeah. And then <clears throat> it's in an application that everybody in the shop can see. I remember so hearing Mar- about that. So yeah. Marlene gets that picture as well. And, you know, that's how we'll communicate. And then that picture or even videos, you know, once we get it running, you know, we'll take a video, we'll walk around and everything. Then yeah. Then that app. She'll be able to send that off to the customer as well. So that's very settling, you know, if your car is here for you know, a couple weeks or something. Oh, damn, I forgot about it. Okay, they're not using it to put their coffee and donuts on. You know, it's actually getting worked on and it's running. So not after 3 a.m. anyway. Don't mind the donut in the intake. Yeah, yeah right. Which it's, it's been challenging for me because I don't know a thing about cars. They send these pictures and I'm like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, can you guys be more specific? Like, what can I tell the customer? And so it, it's the, been a learning thing, curve for me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so it, it wasn't just the guys that had um, kind of left something that was secure and something that you knew and something that you trained for and got educated for, right? Mm-hmm. You left a really good profession um, to join the team here. Tell me a little bit about like, what made you take the leap? Because not being... <laughs> you know, totally engrossed in cars and all this stuff. It's a, that's a huge deal that you would leave a stable career to do it. It was a very difficult decision. It was exhausting. I would work my three twelves and then I'd come back after work. I'd stop by here. Hashtag nurse life. (laughs) I'd stop by here. I'd catch up on some bookkeeping. I mean, we used to be here until like eight, nine o'clock at night. Um, And so from here we'd go home, eat out real quick, go to sleep, wake up, so I was working Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at the hospital, and then I would be here Tuesdays and Thursdays, and after hospital. And so it got to the point where I wasn't focused at the hospital anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting to me. Like, how did, like, what turned to where you weren't focused at the hospital anymore? I and started you were thinking more getting about more it. involved. I started getting more responsibilities here. I'd have vendors calling me while I was working. Oh, nice. Trying to, <laughs> trying to iron some hey, things out. Hey, we got out. your eight yeah. spark plugs. For your dog. And the other eight that you're going to resell. So <laughs> when do you want to pick them up? But it, it got to the point where, you know, he needed help. Um, we've, we've grown. We've evolved. Um, and it's just with growth comes change. And so it got to the point where... I was like, okay, it's time. And so I left. When did I leave? I left two years ago. January of 18, maybe? Yeah. 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 About a year. Okay. Uh, I haven't looked back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. And we always talked about just leaving something behind for our child or something that we would want. Um, you know, the freedom to not have that corporate job that you know if uh our kid that soon to be december 30th um send presents yeah send presents <laughs> uh, oh, just diapers just diapers uh, <laughs> but you know uh, i wanted to be able to leave and go to uh, an event for my child or something like yeah. that you know yeah um and that was the thing so we talked a lot about just her leaving and us spending the time to nurture it, grow it and make it to where we can do that, you know, and not only for us, but our guys like Seth has his family, our guys have their family, you know, um, we're, we want that family oriented to where if we wanted to leave and go to some family event, then we can go. 
and enjoy it and they can go and do whatever they need to and and, and that was doesn't miss a beat that mm-hmm. was yeah. Yeah, yeah that was that was really what we wanted was something for our children to have access to us at any time and for them to also come in and take over hopefully grow and bring their input in and take it to the next level they, to, you know next iteration of cars with wings yeah, right with wings <laughs> or, yeah. or imports yeah no. or imports yeah or the, the, next, the time I've machine got a 1.3 yeah. liter rotary that yeah. was, um, that was uh, that's 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 why we talked and she made that jump you know? yeah so yeah. no that's great so you guys are where you are today mm-hmm. um there we'll talk in a future episode episodes about some of the other business lines that you have going you mentioned the aerodynamic yeah. thing yeah. and our um our podcast listeners would be interested to know just a little bit about what you're doing in the overlanding side because that's the other mm-hmm. side of yeah. where we just seem to keep coming around back to this so, to yeah. a lot of the guys that like to go fast are now getting into the place where their next thing that they want to do is have something that maybe isn't fast but can go, just go anywhere right yeah. and and work that out so yeah. tell me a little bit about the genesis of that and we'll come back and and okay. talk a little bit deeper about that yeah the the new thing that we've started is wicked arrow designs which um originally is something that does carbon fiber designs um but has turned into the custom tailored side of things that aren't horsepower related, but more appearance related. So these guys want the power, but they want to look apart. You yeah. know, um, they want to be different looking than the other, than the other car. Um, and, and that is what wicked arrow has come into and evolved to is that, um, being different, you know, and with that being said, that a lot of that is trucks, vans, overlanding, everything that that you know you want to set yourself apart from. Wicked Arrow's kind of turned into that, and it's kind of it's free flowing. Let's see what it kind of molds into and becomes, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, you know. So that's the exciting part, and a lot of what we've learned as far as business structure with Bailey's is carrying over to that. Yeah, quality control communication and the what employees it takes you know because the the team that bailey's has right now is is awesome i I wouldn't change it i wouldn't ask for anything else differently i love my guys i love what we have we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for them yeah yeah yeah, 100 percent. and now that (laughs) now that we're transitioning and and able to think of how to cater to those customers that want to make their cars different, look different, things like that is is what it is. And Wicked Arrow has um, accidentally built its first overlanding rig, um, which... That was the one outside, the yeah, Army Green that's, one, that's right? That's the Army Green one. And, um, you know, it, it, was a, it was a shot in the dark. A customer had an idea... And the business plan of Wicked Arrow is to tailor and make an uh, an idea into fruition, and, and that's what it did. Um, and hence, an overlanding rig that we got that yeah. we built. And honestly, we it was built for um, 
parking lot baseball tournaments. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you know? Which is really smart down here because for those of us in Texas, baseball season falls on the exact time of year we don't want to be no. outside. Mm-hmm. No. So and baseball doesn't give you much option. Yeah. And and that's 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 how it came and it yeah. It it came at a time where that's being built and overlanding's taking it, it's it's upward stroke. Yeah. You know? Um so it just so happened that hey man, a lot of the overlanding guys would love this kind of setup. Yeah. It's not just what we thought would be a parking lot AC'd room. Right. But it's four-wheel drive. It can go and expand whatever it wants to. This is the one I'm driving home this weekend, right? Yeah, for the kids. <laughs> it's got Xbox TV, everything, bed, oh, wow. all that. Okay. I mean, like, it was an accidental build into that. and Yeah. And um, and you guys had to be open to it. Because if that yeah. was your first rig, yeah. you're probably kind of just used to, like, you have another decision. Are yeah. we going to, like, leave something we know and devote some time to investing here and... It's complete opposite of what you're normally doing, right? Yeah. Why have we not opened the hood once? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a little different. How many spark plugs right. does that thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait, there's no Mad Hatter underneath? Yeah. <laughs> and that was uh, our media guy, Javier, actually, is the one that, because uh, he's, he's got a teen mom's uh, forerunner uh, car. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and... Uh, he, he's into that. And so when as we're building it, he goes, man, that's an overlanding rig. That's really awesome. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but this is just for parking lot baseball stuff. So, and he goes, no, look, this is what everybody's doing. This is it's overlanding. You can do this and that, yeah. yada, yada. And then it's it's just turned into something that we would have never thought it, it, it would have turned into, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. I had no idea, and Javier's in the room, and Hello. I had no idea that the thing existed. I just thought there was, like, speed, and then there were rock crawlers. There was, right. like, nothing yeah. in between in that's that's yeah. livable. If, so, you, if you wanted to camp, buy an RV. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think it's a, the, the market is there because we're living in a time where there's a lot of parents now who are, what's the term now, woke? So they're starting to see that <laughs> the, their kids are starting to really be obsessed and and really into technology and video games. So a lot of these parents are starting like, you know, we've got to do something. Like I mean, that's how, that's how I did it for my kids. I realized that when I grew up, I mean, we were camping. Sure, we didn't have the money to have these kind of rigs, so we, but we had these cheap Walmart tents that we froze our asses off like at yeah. night. But we were all huddling and we had a good time. So I remember those, those happy times. And I'm like, dude, my kids need to see that there's more out there than just, you know, video games and indoor stuff so this is a way for us to do that and there's the market just exploded well you know i mean yeah, the market's yeah. been exploding no, for the been last crazy. what four years now and so i think chris really hit the market right when dfw is really starting to expand yeah a lot of these people who then i think it also started with our obsession with side-by-sides right um so we have a side-by-side we what are side-by-sides so we have a can-am um we have a little two-seater trail um we go we go out to Oklahoma all the time, ride the trails. Well, not anymore. I've got... Because <laughs> you got to do it yeah. 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 Um, But before, and I mean, it's just freedom. Like, you're out there all day on the trail, yeah. rock crawling, and it's just... Mud. Yeah, mud. Yeah, just... A lot of mud. And... And no, I did yeah. a Can-Am in Colorado, and that's when I fell in love with those things. Yeah. And it, it's great. But it's a kind of a single-use vehicle. Yeah. Like, you're not talking about... Yeah. Unless you live in Lake Havasu City, Arizona, where it's... 
your daily driver as well as your off-road vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, there's man. some places that's all <laughs> legal. Oh, really? on the street. Really? I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's a glorified golf cart that can yeah. do all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Yeah. It's like on steroids, you know, yeah. so it, it's a lot of fun, and Chris has scared the hell out of me a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that, it's that peacefulness. So just, you know, another thing, another hobby, another, you know, something that we enjoy doing is kind of taking this new form and and you know we're excited to see what the journey takes us to yeah you know and and see where what we build it's the waiting list for that department is quickly growing yeah you know wicked arrow is supposed to be carbon fiber design here we are wicked arrows now overlanding rigs that that we're creating these ideas that that van is is a hundred percent an idea a brain no parts ever existed for that thing mm-hmm. we built all of that mm-hmm. um you know and it's that's what's you know the fun part so the challenge in bailey's side of can we conquer making horsepower on a brand new car that still has paper plates on it can we conquer that yeah we do now it's this rig building of can we build this can we make these things do this and yeah i think that's the addiction for us yeah is is challenge is is the next challenge the next conquer yeah you know and then the business side how do you how do you make it better how do you how do you be more proficient yeah what i like about what you guys do is a lot of um people whether it's with cars or whether it's just with business they get addicted to the new frontier, new challenge thing without settling or finishing the mm-hmm. previous yeah. endeavor, right? Yeah. And it sounds like you guys are a lot more thoughtful. Once you decide there's a new frontier, there's a lot of work around settling it and making it stable yeah. before you guys yeah. really ramp up and take up take on the next thing. You yeah. have to. You, know, you can't build a house on a rocky foundation. Mm-hmm. you got to make sure that you're 100% up to the next tier yeah you know, th- these vehicles that we do for these people they're i mean they're very expensive vehicles they've invested a lot of money in them and they're they're, they're pride and joy so yeah. you know you come in here and you see we got 35 cars or whatever we got every single one of those are somebody else's pride and joy but mm-hmm. to when you see them all in a shop that they look relatively insignificant compared to you know hundred thirty thousand dollar demon so you really got to make that thing a hundred percent before you can continue on to the next level, you know, and I think Monty and I, you know, everybody here, we really got to take that into consideration. This is somebody's, I mean, that's a lot of money. They saved for a really long time. They wanted this car when they were a kid and now it's in our possession. Yeah. So that's, and a really lot of them are around. dedicated to family members that have passed. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah. The tributes, you no know, kidding. a lot of, and, and uh, Lamona's one we've, you know, we've built a lot of cars and, in the process of building these cars, we hear the stories behind them, you know, um, family members passing, trips that were made in them mm. with kids, things like that, um, hobbies with kids. And, you know, then it, it takes, it's no longer just another car that we're building another package It's a personal on. thing now. It's yeah. a personal thing. Yeah. So we don't, you know, we like to take that into consideration in how we build. So... I like to learn what is it about this person, right? So we got another car, like uh, Lamona is the one that we're building. It's uh, for a customer's sister that had passed from um, ovarian cancer. Um, 
So the color of ovarian cancer is a teal color for the ribbon. So we're integrating that color in the engine block. Nice. You know, touches like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, another car that we built um, was for his wife. And we've copied his wife's signature and engraved it on a plaque that says built in memory of. Oh, wow. For his wife. And it had her signature. Yeah. Not any of our guys as that had built it. Like a lot of them will do, you know, the engine builder, signed, autographed. No, no, no. This was built for her. For her, yeah. And this is what, this is This is why we've built this car. Yeah. Not any of us. Yeah. Right? We're just the tools and putting it together. Spark changes. Yeah. Yeah. So we built that for them. And, and that's a car they're not getting rid of. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's, you know, that's a whole nother thing of, of what we're doing to build these cars for these people. It's not just a horsepower package. But we've done the work, the homework, the legwork to get it to where it's reliable so you can enjoy this memory yeah. that that you have with your we, family. And we try to cover a lot of it also with a, a lot of media for them. I mean, I think that's one thing that customers really enjoy. And we hear that a lot. Chris yeah. does that um, we actually even hear like, hey, how come am I going to have some photos of my car soon? And so we, we try to keep everybody. Help. Yeah, I mean, all the time. Yeah. So because we try to give everybody the same kind of, you know, whether you're. Getting a cam kit or getting a full Mad Hatter build, we try to keep everybody their 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 photos and video and kind of keep them in the loop of what's going on. I think that's what really sets this shop apart from so many others is that we're so hands on with the process and people get to see what's going on, where we're at, and then and at the end they get to have these keepsakes that they then turn and use and show their kids when yeah. they grow up or they have these videos or photos. Hey, look at Dad's car. Look at our car. And I think that really just sets us apart from just about anybody in the world because, you know, we really, we, we, we love our customers and we get so close to them and then they just, you know, they kind of gravitate towards that. Yeah. And I think they love you back. Yeah, they love us back and well, they, they appreciate stuff like that. Especially the dino videos. Oh, you know, every oh, car yeah, that goes no, up on the dino, we'll record those. it and we'll, we'll put it oh, in there. and love it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're going to bring this in for a landing. So I want to do it by saying um, or asking you, you can't have an fca product a gm product uh yeah we'll just relegate it to that money no object what would you drive i would have a honda crx he just saw one drive by i just saw, just saw it drive by and he, he goes man i want that car so bad it was like an 86 red crx that was the car i got passed on when i did a hpde i was driving like an mr2 or something and yeah. then i was like i'll be all right and then this 86 crx That's goes by and i was built. like yeah come probably one that i built back in the day yeah yeah he loves that i mean i would uh I would probably build another 240 with my brother properly this this time now that you know we've got the access that we have to parts and tools now. I would probably rebuild another one with my brother. Yep. You know, I was an 80s kid, so I, I think I would do a DeLorean. I know they're slow. Yeah, but... no. <laughs> DeLoreans are cool. Perfect. perfect. <laughs> you'll you'll definitely be seen because you'll be going by slow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey man, it's, ghost ride that way. Hey, you know, the, the doors open. Door yeah, I was say, <laughs> doors open the right way. That's yeah. why you gotta do it. Unless you're in the rollover, <laughs> you're probably stuck. That's <laughs> tip it like a porta potty, right? Yeah, right? yeah. No, I think for me, I I have to stick with my import. Like 
uh, thing. The one car I got me in was a Skyline. I've always wanted a '99 uh, R34. Oh man, pickup. That's, pickup. that's the dream. What what year is that? You're it's gonna like make a, Steve real 70, happy. Seventy-two. Yeah, mm. one of the seventy-two, the old old like the first. Akasuka. The Akasuka. Ha- yeah, see I've that old, the one. Those are the R34s. Those are just with the RV30 in it, man. Oh, those, yeah. I feel like, like that cars. could be like a Bailey's car. It's like raucous. <laughs> is yeah. Chris, come on, let's do it, bro. Let's get the turd in here. No, I'd bring a, I'd, it, it, an import like that. If we were to import it, it'd be a patrol. Yeah. There you go. I would, I I would, bring, in a, okay. I'd bring in a patrol. Yeah. So okay. we can do our overlanding yeah. and yep. send 50-foot rooster tails up. <laughs> yeah. For me, I owe this one to my husband. He's the most creative and innovative man I've ever met. And uh-huh. he's so smart. Um, a Lamborghini Urus. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're going to need at least she... two more compliments to get one yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> two more compliments. Anybody pulls he's, a car he's, out. Uh, he's done some pretty awesome stuff on a, on a Lambo that we've Oh, had really? And uh, oh, nice. let's okay. just say ever since then, nothing else has compared. <laughs> Oh man! Okay, Greg's car. No, no, that was that was a bad customer. Yeah, that was that was bad. That was horrible. That's a very and I haven't had a paycheck in four years, so I don't know how that's gonna work. That that client wasn't that lost. I I don't know what to tell you there. I I have to bring it back to the the fully built. I had to get a fully built FJ80 Land Cruiser. Oh yeah. I'd see, yeah. man, y'all pick the right cars. Yeah, yeah. that's I'm, I'm that's talking, my favorite. I want to be able visitor. to be off the grid for at least 14 days without any assistance, and that would be the car to do it on. That would be the car to do yeah, it in. My kids would love it. Yeah. FJs are good. So, Seth, you're, you're for real sticking with the CRX? Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best car. Wasn't that carbureted? It requires no tuning. No, you got to go to the like, early 90s model. Like, oh, in like, when they started putting the seat bottle on the door instead of in yeah. the strangle zone. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. That's what I'd have. That's what I'd have. Not that's the, the automatic seatbelt that would come up. People are dying, I think. Yeah, the prelude that you close the door and it comes up. And, yeah, man. No. <laughs> well, I mean, so that's kind of what got, well, that's not what got me my start, but that's what, those are the cars that got me into tuning. Yeah. So it was, unfortunately, the Fast and the Furious scene. Yeah. And it was an affordable car. You know, it's one that college students had all the time and mm-hmm. were getting rid of for cheap. And, you know, you could do some pretty fun stuff to them. So that's... I actually just picked up a 95 Prelude. And it's it was really surprising when you're used to a little bit more big power cars or whatever. It was yeah. surprising how fun mm-hmm. those old Hondas are. Yeah. Um, and that pre So the GSR CRXs, you'll rev them out and you'll be like, okay, I'm not going anywhere, but I'm having fun right yeah, now. yeah. yeah. That prelude, for whatever reason, is like when you rev it out, you're like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. Then you look at your speedometer and you're like, oh, shoot, I need to back off. I'm yeah. like doing 95, 100 mm-hmm. and, uh, in Mexico. And what is Right. And it was just surprising how the fit and finish, the way the motor hums, mm-hmm. the way this, I mean, they're There's great some, cars. And technology on that prelude, too. Oh, you know, it had the all wheel steering and, uh, yeah. you know, it's H20, right? H22. H22? Yeah. Well, and I just saw, um, I was looking on Bring a Trailer last night, and I just happened upon an Integra Type R. You remember those? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay, IGRs. there's one with 4,000 miles on it, 
and it it's has six days left on the auction and mm. it's at 70 grand wow. wow and i was like i'm living to see the day when i cannot afford an integra like a what is hellcat 20 year old integra yeah. yeah no that that's and crazy. that's the Why question you come to horse? is like you know you look at what you can do with mm-hmm. that money with a challenger or this and that and then you put it into an integra and it's kind of like there's space for all of it yeah. you know mm-hmm. and 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 there really is i just love the fact like you guys are the only ones that i know that um are able to tune dodges the way that you tune dodges yeah. right yeah. and and i love that it's here in the dfw area and i love how you approach it yeah blindfolded math on the chalkboard <laughs> it definitely, all works definitely. out great yeah. But I really appreciate you guys taking the time to sit down and talk. I, it's easy to see that you guys have a great vibe with the team here. Yeah. Um, for all of you guys who who are rolling FCA products, as we talked about the Challenger, but I see um, the Trackhawks, I see the Jeep SRT8s, I see Chargers, I see anything anything that's got a Dodge badge on it for the most part. Because if you're rolling a Jeep, they've got an overlanding wing that could probably help you out. Yeah. Last time I was here, there was a there was a Rubicon with a huge trailer yeah. behind yes. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it looked great. It kind of had that same kind of army green yeah. or, yeah. you know, camo kind of look. So yeah. you guys are actually really good about traveling to shows and things like that. Yeah. So let's end it with that. Where are you guys going to be next? over the next few months before the holidays hit. So our next big show is actually We Are Mopar in March of 2020. So that's... that's and where the, is that going to be? That's going to be at the Texas Motor Speedway. Okay. Nice. And we, uh, and we may also try, depending... Because um, we met at the, the auto show in Dallas. Yeah. And I think the end of the year is one that's in Houston. Um, the auto show that's down there. And we've, we've been invited to go out to that one again. So... Yeah. We may... We may do, and they say that one's bigger than the Dallas one, so. Well, and Javi's videos were the ones that kind of caught me when I went to the car show when I met you guys. So yeah. I, it was a little bit out of the way, yeah. but I was just kind of walking and I was like, all right, let's see what's happening here. And I saw uh, one of the challengers and then I saw a Lamborghini with, I think it was red rims, uh-huh. mm-hmm. something yep. like that. Is it her Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so I was like, well this is interesting who puts together like a challenger and a lambo right yeah. and then i saw the videos and you guys were super nice when we when we met and talked and then we talked a little bit about how you approached him that's where it went so yeah. i'm really glad i met you guys i'm glad i got to meet the rest of the team here yeah and uh yeah we'll look forward to, to having more sit downs with yeah, y'all and we'd some love things. to have you yeah. back yeah. Yeah. yeah we'd love to all right Hope guys enjoyed. well hope you guys enjoyed it as well And if you have any questions or if you want to talk to the team at Bailey's High Performance, tell us where they can find you on social media and on the web. Yeah, you can find us at, um, we have an awesome YouTube channel that we're trying to really capture a lot of people. The channel channel is Bailey's High Performance. You can look us up there. Our Instagram as well, Bailey's underscore High Performance. And of course, our Facebook, um, Bailey's High Performance. And you will see a lot of our updates. And now we're doing a lot more stories on there. So really, we can see our day-to-day, what we're doing um, on any particular day here during the week. All right, guys. Well, have a good one. Stay out of trouble, and we'll talk next time.